Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about whether or not runners need to get an MRI when they think they have a stress fracture and want to get back to running. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. Now, before I forget, I want to let you know that I created a special worksheet for you to go along with this podcast. If you fill it out, I promise it's going to help you ask your doctor important questions and get your doctor to think about whether or not an MRI is going to get you back to running faster. Go to DocOnTheRun.com, go to the show notes page for episode number 68, and download the MRI questions to ask your doctor. It's free. Now, yesterday, one of our listeners, Kelly, sent in a question. She said, I recently had some pain during the last two weeks of my marathon training. I begrudgingly took some time off to recover and unfortunately had to skip my marathon due to the pain. After three weeks and still having some pain, I went to an orthopedic doctor and got an x-ray. The x-ray showed a stress fracture, but the doctor said the fracture appeared to be healing already. The doctor suggested I get an MRI. Knowing that MRIs are not cheap and me being on a budget... Is it essential I go get the MRI or can I let my body heal and then return to running once the pain has gone away? I've continued to keep my fitness levels up through biking and swimming and I'm hoping to be able to compete in an upcoming marathon in early December. It will be my first marathon and I'm trying to qualify for Boston. Thank you so much for all your help. Your podcasts are amazing and I've learned so much from you. Thanks again, Kelly. Well, first of all, Kelly, thanks for sending in your question. Now, I'm sorry to hear about your stress fracture, but I'm glad to hear that you're already starting to heal. Now, this is a great question because stress fractures are one of the most common running injuries, and every runner who gets a stress fracture has to, at least in some capacity, reduce their activity to heal. Sometimes the runner has to stop running for a brief period of time. Sometimes you can just run less, modify the way that you run, or come up with some creative strategies to keep running. Now, one of the first things that comes to mind when I hear this question is, you know, you never get a second chance to do your first marathon. So you certainly need to do everything possible to stay fit and not lose all that effort you put into training. You also need to make sure that your injury is not just healed enough that you can resume training, get back to running, and then get sidelined a few weeks before the race when your activity and your intensity really ramps up. Obviously, that'd be heartbreaking. Now, hopefully in this episode, we're going to answer your question. So why would a doctor order an MRI for a runner with a stress fracture? Now, the first reason is that the doctor isn't really sure whether or not it's a stress fracture. Maybe the doctor suspects it's a stress fracture, but isn't actually 100% convinced and thinks maybe it might be a soft tissue injury that could just sort of resemble a stress fracture. And the second reason is that the doctor needs to convince you, the runner, that you have a stress fracture. Maybe the doctor thinks, you know, you definitely have a stress fracture, but the doctor doesn't really think you're listening or paying attention to her. And so she wants you to get an MRI just to show you how bad it is to help you understand that you really do have a stress fracture. The third reason is that the doctor wants to prove to you that you need to stop running. That sort of goes along with the thing we just talked about. Now, the fourth reason is that the doctor wants to rule out some other bone issue like a bone cyst. So maybe the doctor suspects that you have a stress fracture, but it might be attributable to some weakness in the bone because you have a bone cyst like an aneurysmal bone cyst or unicameral bone cyst or some other kind of benign soft tissue mass growing within the bone that's made it weaker. Now, sometimes it's really helpful to get an MRI. And let me give you an example. My wife was training for a marathon a few years ago. She started having some thigh pain, and someone, not me, but a very reputable guy who also works on runners was treating her for a soft tissue issue. She was doing physical therapy, massage, all that sort of stuff, but it wasn't getting better. In spite of all the treatment she was having, it just wasn't getting better. 
Now, for the most part, I stay out of my wife's health business unless she specifically asks me for help. I do not offer unsolicited advice. But one night we're out having dinner and she told me how it was getting worse and it wasn't getting better. She was telling me the whole story about what it felt like, what it felt like when she was running, what it felt like when they were doing a massage, all this sort of stuff. I just stopped and I said, okay, I know this isn't any of my business, but time out because you need an MRI. I think you have a stress fracture. And based on her story, based on her symptoms, her failure to respond to the treatment she was receiving, I was 100% certain that she had a stress fracture. She got an MRI and guess what? The MRI showed a stress fracture. Now, it sucks to always be right about these things, but at least she wasn't wasting any more time with soft tissue work when she actually had a bone problem. The first thing you have to understand about MRI is that it doesn't actually provide a 100% clear picture. Now, although a complete discussion about MRIs is way beyond the scope of this episode, I do think it's worth giving a basic description of how an MRI actually works. An MRI, in the simplest sense, provides imaging of tissues using a big, powerful, very expensive magnet and a computer. The images that result from an MRI look very accurate, but those images are not actually 100% accurate. Basically, an MRI creates the image based on the differences in water content or fat content of the tissues. It's all about the different ratios of water versus oil. For example, inside the bones, you have bone marrow. Bone marrow is mostly fat. That is basically a solid form of oil. So if you have a set of images on your MRI called the T2 images, the bones look black. Oh, they're dark because there's mostly fat and there's very little water inside the bones. On the same images, the veins and arteries will all look bright white. That, of course, is because the veins and arteries are filled with blood, which is mostly water. They're complete opposites. So in those images on an MRI, anything containing oil or fat looks dark and anything containing water looks bright white. So a normal bone looks dark black. But when you get a stress fracture, your body responds with inflammation. Inflammatory fluid, like blood, and most other fluids in your body are mostly made up of water. So if you have an inflammatory response within a bone because you have a stress fracture, then you end up with inflammatory fluid or water inside the bone, which shows up as a bright white signal on the image. When you see your radiology report, the radiologist will usually mention this bright white area as a signal change or increased signal intensity. But when you look at the image, you just see that the bone, the irritated bone, looks bright white. Now, the stress fractures always become very irritated. There's lots of inflammation within the bone. This is very easy to see on an MRI. So, if you're not certain whether or not you actually have a stress fracture or you have some other injury that seems to be behaving like a stress fracture, you can get an MRI and an MRI will definitively rule out a stress fracture because if you don't have a stress fracture, the bone will look just as dark as all the other bones. So then what does an MRI really tell you about a stress fracture? Well, an MRI certainly can tell you with certainty that you don't have a stress fracture, but the MRI doesn't even always show a crack in the bone. Part of the problem with an MRI is that the slices or sections of images through which the images are taken are separated by a couple of millimeters. The further the spacing, the bigger the gaps between pictures. If the images or spaces are far enough apart, the crack can actually get missed completely. Of course, if there's a complete fracture through the bone or the bones are actually displaced, meaning that the two broken bone pieces are moving apart, then obviously it'd be much easier to notice that on an MRI. 
But for those very subtle early stage stress fractures that aren't really enough to force you to completely stop running, but may be causing aching, pain, tenderness, all that sort of stuff, and maybe even swelling, those mild stress fractures sometimes do not show up on an MRI. You don't actually see the crack. You don't actually see the break in the bone. Sometimes all you really see is some inflammation within the bone. Now, having said that, it's probably best to back up and explain what is a stress fracture anyway. This is the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's a virtual doctor visit? The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. What you'll get from Dr. Segler, in my experience, is expert runner and medical care that's individualized for your needs. I'm left with actionable steps to recover from my injury. Dr. Segler is different, and I felt heard, didn't feel patronized, and I felt like he prioritized getting me back to running as soon as possible, as much as I did. I just couldn't see sitting around for six weeks knowing my hard-earned fitness would vanish. I know Dr. Segler is an expert, and I wanted to see him in person. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You'll have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's gonna be on time. Two, he's gonna be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are gonna result in more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. Welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. Now, having said that, it's probably best to back up and explain what is a stress fracture anyway. One common misconception runners seem to have about stress fractures is that they will see a little tiny crack in the bone if they just look hard enough. And that's just not always true. Now, the term stress fracture actually describes a whole range of trouble. I live in California and we often talk about earthquakes. And earthquakes provide a good analogy for stress fractures. If somebody said, hey, did you feel that earthquake today? Well, that could mean lots of different things. It could mean that you actually felt a tiny vibration while you're sitting on the couch. It could mean you actually saw a pendant lamp swing very slightly for a second or two. It could mean that you actually felt the ground move so much that you almost fell down. And in the worst possible scenario, of course, buildings could fall down and people could be killed. But all of those are different stages of moving and shaking, but are still all called earthquakes. Here's a good way to think about stress fractures. Take a coat hanger, hold it in your hands. Now start bending it back and forth several times. After you bend it just a couple of times, if you feel the part of the coat hanger that you've been bending, it'll actually feel warm or maybe even hot. If you keep bending it and then you look at it, you'll actually start to see some opacity or change in the surface of the metal suggesting that it's becoming damaged. If you keep bending it back and forth, you'll eventually start to see cracks in the surface of the metal. And if you bend it a few more times after that, it'll break right into two pieces. So the beginning phase of a stress fracture is really more analogous to when you just bent a coat hanger a couple of times. It's warm, it's hot, it's inflamed. That's part of the reason nothing shows up on x-rays when you think you have a stress fracture. But all that stress and heat will show up on an MRI. The problem is that the MRI doesn't really show you how far along that continuum you are unless there's a big crack in the bone. And again, even when there's a crack, sometimes MRIs will miss it. So how does an MRI tell you whether or not you can run? 
a lot of runners ask me whether or not they can get an MRI to tell whether or not it's safe to run. I don't believe this works. The problem is that all phases of healing involve some level of inflammation. Even the remodeling phase, which can go on for a year or year and a half, involves some inflammation throughout that entire process. So in theory, even when your foot is completely healed and you're back to running, if you got an MRI, it would most likely be read as an active stress fracture by the radiologist. They would still say that you had a signal change within the bone suggestive of an ongoing inflammatory process, which of course would be presumed to be a stress fracture. So it is true that in the same way an MRI can rule out a stress fracture, it can also tell you that your foot is completely calmed down if you're willing to wait for many, many months after the stress fracture heals before you start running. Of course, pretty much every runner who calls me for a second opinion consultation on the phone or on Skype is trying to figure out how to run sooner, not later. Nobody really wants to wait for months and then get an MRI just to be absolutely 100% sure it's safe to start running. So that brings us back to Kelly's question. She mentioned that she wants to run because she wants to qualify for Boston. This is an ambitious goal for anybody, let alone somebody who's doing their first marathon. So she really needs all of her fitness. Now, she also mentioned that she's trying to figure out whether or not it's worth spending the money to get an MRI. So based on all that, it seems like what she really needs to know is how is her money best spent to get her back to running as quickly as possible? It sounds like her doctor has already confirmed she has a bone issue in the form of a stress fracture because she noticed some evidence of healing on the x-ray. The x-ray evidence of healing can be several different things. It can be a little bit of swelling between the bone and the covering of the bone. That just looks like a shadow around the area where there's a stress fracture. So in that case, all you see is a little shadow on the x-ray. But there can also be a big lump of bone visible on the x-ray. In that case, the stress fracture has been healing for some time and there is actually what we call bone callus around the stress fracture. And the bone callus is a hard lump and it's structurally supporting the fractured area and that shows us that the stress fracture is a long way along its course of healing and presumably fairly stable. But if there's evidence on x-rays that the stress fracture is healing, it doesn't seem like the doctor is likely ordering the x-rays to just rule out a stress fracture altogether. It just wouldn't make sense. Now given that there is some evidence of an ongoing healing process on the x-rays, it's also safe to assume that if you get an MRI, there's going to be inflammation within the bone that the radiologist will read as a stress fracture. The radiologist isn't going to give you any clear indication about how far along the healing process you are. Now, the fact is, MRIs are expensive. If the hospital or imaging center bills your insurance for the MRI, it will likely cost a couple of thousand dollars. If you're lucky and you can get one for a relatively low cost by paying cash, it's still probably going to cost you at least $500 for an MRI. Now, here in San Francisco, I have a good relationship with a great outpatient imaging facility where I can order your MRI and you can walk in and get an MRI for about $500. But still, that is $500. Bucks. If money is the issue and money is limited, you may be better off spending that same money on a bone stimulator instead of an MRI, which really is just going to tell you what you already know. Now, keeping that in mind, you probably want to call or email your doctor and ask several questions. Now, I'm going to outline all those for you here, but don't worry, you don't have to write them down. Just go to the show notes page for episode number 68 and download the MRI questions to ask your doctor. It's free. Here's what you should ask your doctor when she recommends an MRI for a stress fracture. Are you 100% convinced I have a stress fracture and not some other tissue injury? Wouldn't a CT scan show the bone in better detail to see if there's an actual crack? Wouldn't an ultrasound exam rule out a soft tissue injury? 
can you do an ultrasound exam really quick at a lower cost than the MRI right here in the office today? What would you see on the MRI that would convince you it is safe for me to run today? If that doesn't show up on an MRI now, do I have to get another MRI again in a few weeks before you'll let me run? Without an MRI, how would you be able to tell when I can safely run? You have to remember that MRIs are relatively new technology. People have been getting injuries for centuries. We didn't make them take a year off running just because they couldn't get an MRI. Sometimes it's better to go old school with the evaluation process and then come up with some creative strategies to reduce the stress so you can get back to running sooner. This is exactly the sort of thing I do with runners when you call me for a second opinion on the phone or on Skype. I try to figure out exactly where they are in the healing process and then I show them exactly how they can evaluate their response to increasing activity without making a stress fracture worse. So how do we do that? I mean, what are the signs other than an MRI that many stress fractures have healed enough to let you run? Well, here's a summary of the evaluation process. The first thing is absence of swelling. If you have ongoing tissue damage, then your body responds with inflammation. You see inflammation first in the form of swelling. Swelling is a bad sign. It means that you have the healing process taking place to the presumed ongoing injury. So, if you have any swelling, you certainly shouldn't be running on it. If you want to start running, you have to use some specific techniques to really determine whether or not your swelling is starting to creep back in. The next thing is absence of bruising. Of all the outward signs of inward trouble, bruising is the worst. The bruise is just bleeding under the skin. Obviously, if you've cracked the bone enough to make it bleed, it's not a good thing. Any new bruising is an ominous sign. So obviously, if you're out for a run and then you get bruising, you really need to evaluate the amount of stress you're applying to that bone. Absence of pain. Pain is the easiest to evaluate and most informative of all the signs helping guide an injured runner. We talked about this in episode 67 when we were talking about keeping a pain journal. Now, pain tells you something is wrong and may indicate you are doing damage. Pain is dynamic. It can give you immediate feedback. And because of this, it can be extremely useful. If you don't have any pain, then it's unlikely that you're doing any damage. Now, the next thing is no tenderness with palpation. Tenderness is just pain when you're pressing on something. So if you can press on the stress fracture and you have pain right now, you can use that same evaluation process later. If you rest for a bit and then you press on the bone and it does not hurt at all, that's a good sign. Of course, pressing on the bone with your finger is not applying as much stress as when you run, but it certainly tells you you're heading in the right direction. Once you start running, you have to see if you have any pain, bruising, or swelling. In an ideal world, you would get back to running very gradually and will not have any return of pain with running, but you have to do it in a stepwise approach. So in short, there is a way to figure out whether or not you can get back to running, and it doesn't always require an MRI. MRIs are often overused, and when it comes to running injuries, particularly stress fractures, they are vastly overrated. The main point is that MRIs can be more valuable than x-rays if you aren't 100% convinced that you have a stress fracture. If it just seems like you have a stress fracture, but you actually have a soft tissue injury, then an MRI can be really helpful. But Just seeing inflammation within the bone that confirms you have a stress fracture on an MRI doesn't really help you that much. Taking action to heal as fast as possible is what really helps. Using a bone stimulator is taking action. Being militant about getting enough sleep is taking action. Adding bone broth, antioxidants, and the right balance of proteins to help you heal faster is taking action. 
Working closely with your doctor to custom design an action plan that maintains your running fitness and reintroduces running in some form as fast as possible, that is real action that an injured runner needs. So don't forget, I created a special worksheet for you to go along with this podcast. If you fill it out, I promise it's going to help you and your doctor figure out whether or not an MRI is going to get you back to running faster. Go to DocOnTheRun.com, go to the show notes page for episode 68, and download the MRI questions to ask your doctor. It's free. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me, and then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.